This week's parsha is Parshas Vayikra. There is a Gemara in the Yerushalmi in Megillah that tells us a halacha that I think most of us are familiar with. And that halacha is that when you are calling up people to alias in the Torah, you always have to be Messiah in the Dabr You cannot end an aliyah on a bad note. And that's sometimes difficult. The psukim that are in the chumash, as is, the regular aliyahs are broken up accordingly. And wherever you have a, uh, a break, if there's a, if it's sheni or shlishi or chamishi or shvi, it's always gonna end on a good note. Sometimes it gets tricky if you're a gabai, and you have to make a suffice, you have to find exactly where you can make a stop that's appropriate because of this halacha in Yerushalmi, which is brought down in the Rambam halacha and Parakir Gimel of Ilchas Tefillah halacha hey. It's brought down in the Ramah and Shulchan Aruch, Arachayim Kofamaches. This is halacha psuka. This is what we do. That we always look to be Messiahim B'davar Taif. The Mefarshim, the Makarachayim, brings uh, an allusion to this. If you want to know where, what's the source for this, always ending B'davar Taif, there's a Pasuk in Kayalas and Parachas, Pasuk Imo, Al-Tamay B'davar Do not stop by some place that's bad. Al-Tamay B'davar And in the Kitzar Alachis, it brings a very interesting thing. That this, that we're supposed to stop by Kriya by a good stop, is not only by Sukkim and the Torah, by Valtere, it's also in all Tanakh. Whenever you're raining anything, whether it's a Haftarah, whether it's a Megillah, you also always have to be Messiah and type. And even more than that, Mishnayis. And the Sechtis and Shas will also generally end on a good note. That's how meticulous we are in the Torah to always end on a positive. Just a few examples of this. One that is, I think, maybe on all of our minds is Eicha and Tishavav. Eicha ends on a very bad note. If we are abominable to you, Hashem, and you are furious with us. That's the end of Eicha. What do we do on Eicha, on Tishabav? The whole Sibur ends, and then the Chazan and the Valkyrie ends, Hashiveinu Hashem Eilacha v'nashubah, Chadish Aminikikadim, the Pasuk before, Hashem, bring us back, and we will then return Renew our days as on old. It's a positive note. It's a pasuk that speaks about returning to the Rebbeinu Shalom. We don't want to end laying Megillah on such a note, on such a bad note. The Gemara in Megillah, in Sukkah rather, speaks about, on the ending of the Gemara, it speaks about something that's really not too Megillah to the Gemara's previous but it does end on a positive note and the Marshal says that that's why the Gemara and Sukkah ends 
about Sadiq, the Tevloi, because we want to basically uh, be Messiah the Mesefko on an, ups, on an uptick. Rashi at the end of Baba Kama. There's a Rashi that says, Dibar Maso Maso Maxia. Rashi says, Mokin Behemesu. It's a place that has a lot of animals, the city of Masamasya, Utsrichen Lemira Tai. And it needs a place to graze, but Rashi doesn't just say a place to graze. It needs a good place to graze. Why good? It doesn't matter. They need to eat. What does it matter to us whether in Masamasya they had a good place to graze, there's a Shvaka place to graze. And the Marsha again there says because Rashi didn't want to end off his commentary with the word Lemira to graze because Mira has the word Ra in it. That's not how we want to end the Masechta. Even in a commentary of Rashi, he didn't want to end the Masechta on a bad note. So he says, it's Sarah for Mira Taiv. We end off on the word Taiv. Very interesting. The Shir Shalyayim on Wednesday. If you notice, the Shir Shalyayim on Wednesday ends off with psukim that are not really the end of that capital that we say on Wednesday. <coughs> the capital that we say Wednesday, the Shir of Yem Revi, is Talmakames. And we end that capital, if you look in the Tehillim, it ends with Rasam Yatsmisim Yatsmisim Hashem Alikeinah. Hashem will pulverize Rishayim. And that's the end of the capital. And we say, That's how the Shir Shalyayim of Wednesday end. But that's not the end of the capital. The other Shir Shalyayim for the rest of the week all end where that Mizmar ends. Except on Wednesday we add a few extra psukim again. So it's not to be Messiah and Bezavarah. We don't want to end the capital. So we add a few extra psukim, just parenthetically, I once heard from Yaakov Kamenevsky, to shame him, that the reason, an additional reason why we end Mechunaranana on Wednesday morning is because Wednesday is really the first day to prepare for the coming Shabbos. We know that Shabbos really ends on Tuesday. And officially it ends on Shabbos, but in terms of the, the Hemshech of Shabbos, for example, you can always make Havdalah. If you miss Havdalah, let's say Shabbos, you have until Tuesday to make Havdalah. Because Tuesday is still considered part of last week's Shabbos. When is this week's Shabbos? When did Parshish Vayikra begin in earnest? Wednesday. Wednesday is heading towards the new Shabbos. So, Rabbi Yaakov says beautifully that that's why the Shir Shoyen on Wednesday morning we start saying at the end of the Mizmar as if to remind ourselves that Kabbalah Shabbos is coming soon. And now you've got to start going shopping for Shabbos, preparing for Shabbos. And that's why, according to Yaakov, another reason why you should say at the end of the Shir Shoyayim. But the real reason, if you will, is because of we don't want to end on a, on a note of, of negativity, of Yatsvisa Meshem we don't want to leave off in a negative way, so we add Lachun Hashem. There's a frightening story that's brought in the Kitzar Hashlah. He brings from the Siddur of the Marik. The Marik was one of the major Rishainim, 
we have Shubas Amarit, and the story goes as follows: that once there was a a uh, a Talmud Chacham that was learning a sefer, and he the sefer got up to the point of Seirim Yirkedu Shum. So Pasuk Yishayot, I think it's talking about like bad angels, demons perhaps, I'm not sure exactly, but I think the Seirim there are talking about like, it's bad stuff, whatever it is, it's not good. Usirim Yirkedusham. And with that he says, okay, we learned the Seirim Yirkedusham, and he closed the safer and he goes to sleep. And of course that wasn't a good idea because he ended his learning the Dabara. It wasn't ending a, a Pasuk, it wasn't ending a, uh, an Aliyah, it wasn't ending a, a Masefta and Shas, a commentary on Shas. He just finished learning. He closes Gemara at a bad point. The next day he comes back to a Sefer to continue learning, and sitting in his seat with that Sefer in hand was a very scary looking angel. It was a person who was, his face looked like Gachalei Eish like coals of fire. And he was there looking at this Tamat Chacham that ended the day before at that bad note. And he said, You are a very bad person because you ended on such a bad Pasuk. He says, And I'm fully prepared to do Hezek to you. Every time that a Mohammed Every time that a Rebbe or every time that a Sefer who's writing Sifrei Torah ends the Pasuk on a bad note and, and closes the Sefer, he says, I do damage to such people. That's what I do for a living. He says, you're lucky because they like you up in Shemayim. You have pain by them. And so you have a little protection. I can't touch you. You're untouchable to me. But he says that you should know not to do this again. And the Marit ends off this story, It's a mitzvah to publicize this story to Malamdim, to Rabbeim, to Seifrim, in either a literal Seifr, Seifr is also a Tamachacham, that they should know to Messiah the Dabertaif. That's very important for everybody here to know. Sometimes you're learning a, a Pasuk, or you're learning a, Mish- a Mishnah, you're learning a Gemara, or you're learning a Musr Sefer, and, it, and, and it's up to something that's really bad. Do not close the Sefer at that point and say, okay, it's lunchtime, but rather learn a little Vaita, because it's a scary thing. It's very important to always try to be Messiah in the Dabar type. So after all of this Hakdama, you might be wondering, okay, this is not a shear of, uh, you know, of, 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 for, for Balkaira, it's not a shear for Rabbeim or for Seifrim, so what in the world does this have to do with Parshas Vayikra? I thought you started off this, this week's Parshas, Parshas Vayikra, and I don't see any shaykhahs between what you're talking about and Parshas Vayikra. And the truth is it has a lot of shaykhahs to Parshas Vayikra, because the very end, not one of the Aliyahs, not Shlishi and not Hamishi, but the end of Parshish Vayikra, if you turn to the end of Parshish Vayikra, the Pasuk, the Psukim there are talking about taking a Shvuas Sheker. If a person, let's say, steals from somebody and then he denies and he swears that I didn't take it, 
or he was a shimer that maybe took something and he swore that he didn't take it, and then he basically admits, or he was caught that he was he did it. Mosheker is nishkal The pasuk says that you have to, in order to make restitution, you have to pay back the person that you stole from. Karen, you have to tap on a chaymesh, so you have to pay the principal plus the plus a fifth, twenty percent more, and then you have to bring an ashram. It's not enough just to pay restitution, you're off the hook. You've got to also then bring a carbon ashram to the Kayin in the Beis HaMikdash. And the very last pasuk of this parsha says, the chiter the Kayin will give him atonement, lift Hashem before Hashem, and then he'll be forgiven. Al Achas for any for any of the things he might do to incur guilt. Guilt. And with that, the Pasuk ends, and the parsha ends, and the person the person that has the Aliyah makes a bracha, and everybody's happy. But this flies in the face of everything that we've learned today. The Yerushalmi and all the, the Psukim and all the Minagim that we have and the Ma'arik. What do they all do with this ending Pasuk? Well, Ashmaba, that's how you end the parasha? To incur guilt? It's a good question. It's not my question. It's a question that plagued many, many people. And if you look in the Sefer Ma'ar B'Shemesh, he quotes from Reb Mendel Miriminov. Reb Mendel Miriminov was one of the Gvele Hasidim, and he says that there was a minig in, in his day. I don't think any place that I know does that anymore today. But at the end of this week's parsha, the Tzibur says after the Balkari lanes were Ashmaba, the Tzibur in unison says together, Lakel. And then the Kriya Satayr is over. To Hashem, who was Shabbos, who rested from all activity on Shabbos. Now, why would they say that of all things? Because those words that we say every Shabbos morning happen to be the Roshay Tevas of. The last words in the parasha, pay attention. That's the minig, says Remendel Mirimin of, of people in Kalah Yisrael to do that because they were so scared to end on the low note of Ashmabah. How do you walk away from the sacred terror of Ashmabah? So the Tzibur goes and says together, Beautiful minute. They wanted to change it and to make it into a beautiful thing. So Lashma, Rashi Tevis, those words. So I want to basically provide a little bit of a Moser Haskell for this minute in Klai Yisrael, in general, to always be Messiah and B'dav what's the point? And also, 
the thought for this minute that Remendal Miriminov brings about saying this it's a beautiful thing and Ataka is the Rashi Tevis of Ashmaba, but why? What's the Kesha? What's the Shaitas? What does that have to do with with uh, being Messiah the Dabra type specifically with those words? Human nature is that we slip. Just like gravity, Isaac Newton discovered that there's a concept called gravity. He was sitting and an apple fell on his head. And he says, how did that happen? And all of a sudden he was Nisaira, that there must be a concept called gravity. There must be something that when you drop something from a high place, it automatically falls down. The force of gravity always falls things Unless you're out of the stratosphere of Earth, and maybe in, you know, outside you see these astronauts floating around without any gravitational pull, but at least on planet Earth, we are nimshah downward. And that's not just something that you learn about in physics, that's something that you learn about yourself in life. That even though we try as hard as we can to grow in life and to go stronger and higher and better, but at the end of the day, regrettably, we slip and we fall. And this happens so often in so many facets of our life. Just to give a few examples, but it's really everything. And I think we all know this, but let's just start with a few things. This man. A new man in yeshiva. Remember... Resh Chaydesh Elul, or remember the day, uh, the newsman of winter, and we came back excitedly to start a newsman after Sukkot, and the Bismedrash was packed by davening, couldn't get a seat. Every single seat was taken. And my first Seder, the place was knocking, people were like, you know, struggling to find the muffin. And guys always, the new guys come over to me always and say, Rabbi, I have no seat. What am I going to do? I should leave Yeshiva? I said, no, no, give it a few days. So, we'll just wait. You'll, you'll be fine. Trust me. And they say, how do you know? Are you a Navi? No, 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 I'm, I'm just a Mashiach here. I know. And sure enough, two days later, three days later, davening starts emptying out a drop. And first Seder, plenty of room. What happened? What happened in two days from the first day that everybody was, seats were at a premium, everybody was jostling for space, and all of a sudden, a day or two later, there's room by davening, there's room by, by Seder. What happened? What happened is gravity. The gravitational pull of staying in bed, the gravitational pull of staying in your dorm room, the gravitational pull of staying upstairs by breakfast, Things change. Are we happy that they change? Absolutely not. We're very upset about it. But that's the reality. We are not able always to maintain growth. But very often we slip. And if our growth would be, let's say, graft on a on a bar graph or on a uh, on a on a regular stock graph, so. It would maybe start high, maybe it would even edge up a little bit, but then as this man gets closer to an end, it goes down and down and down. Sometimes people are flat, 
but generally speaking, if you're a mere mortal, you're going to have some dips and valleys, and eventually it might go down considerably. The same thing is true when a person starts a new job. If you're ever working for a company, let's say, the first day of your new job, you're going to come in bright and early, 10 minutes before 9 o'clock, let's say, and you're going to get all of your desk things ready, and you're going to get your papers ready, and your reports, and then you're going to go to lunch very quickly, or bring a lunch, and you know show your boss that you're doing everything like you're supposed to. And if you're working, let's say, until 6 o'clock at night, you're going to not leave before 6, maybe you're going to stay late till 7, 8, to really show that you're committed. And that might last for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. But eventually, every employee comes to a point that coming a little later, you know, I get traffic, and uh, my car broke down, I had to drive my kids to school today. You come instead of at 9 o'clock, you start coming 9.10, 9.15, 9.30-ish. Lunch breaks start becoming more. You leave a little bit earlier. There's a saying that goes, a new broom sweeps clean. When you have a brand new broom, it sweeps perfectly. But once the broom starts getting a little bit old, it doesn't sweep as well. If you hire somebody to work for you, you have a cleaning lady, the first couple of weeks the house is spotless, and then after a while you notice there's a little dust over here, and they're not really cleaning the refrigerator so well, and everything becomes shot. That's reality. That's just the way people are. We don't go higher and higher. We tend to be pulled down by atlas or by being cynical or by being, you know, despondent, depressed. Something's pulling us down. And it doesn't allow us to keep going higher and higher. This happens every year, Rosh Hashanah time. Rosh Hashanah time, people are committed, they're knocking, it's, everything is on fire, we have our Mazerim, we're diving to Rabbi Shem Tshuva, Tzvilat Saka, then Yom Kippur comes, Ne'ilah comes, and we are ready to go into Sukkot, Mamish, like Malachim. And we're going to daven every day, and we're going to learn every day, and we're going to do mitzvahs every day, we're going to increase our staka this year, we're going to do more chesed, and we make all these kabbalahs. And what happens as the year goes on and on, as much as we were committed to making Tavshanayin Zion a banner year, a year like no other, Tavshanayin Zion eventually looks a lot like Tavshanayin Vav, which looked a lot like Tavshanayin A. The Samarebbe has a famous word on this. Samarebbe said that the Pasuk says that Tamid Ene Hashem Lekachabah Meireshes Hashanah From the beginning of the year until the end of year. In fact, the Samarebbe Washington said should keep it the same. Say Meireshes Hashanah that after is Hashanah. Or say Meireshes Hashanah that after Hashanah. What's this Meireshes Hashanah? With a hey ayyidira at after shana, zop this out mereba, every year, nereshis hashana, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year you're going to see I'm going to turn into a gobble this year. This is the year I'm not going to miss a single davening, I'm not going to miss a single seder, I'm going to come on time, I'm going to get sheer every day, I'm going to write it down, I'm going to chazer it, I'm going to join the daf, and I'm going to come to every shmuz and every vad. And eventually, we know what happens. 
It's Meirashas Hashana. At the beginning of the year, this is going to be the most amazing year, but with Aveneinu, it just ends up being at after Shana. It's a regular year. It wasn't that banner year that I was promising myself in the Rabbi Nishana that it would be. It becomes a Shana. It's a regular year. Let's just get through it. Okay, well, we'll you know, let's get to, to the end of the year and we'll scrape ourselves across the finish line. This is a very big problem. It's a big problem. That this is the way our life goes with every facet of our life. We want to do good. We want to do well. We want to make the Rabbi proud. We want to be good husbands. We want to be good Talmudim. We want to be good people. We want to be good children. We want to be good parents. And we promise ourselves that we will. But eventually we just always get derailed from those plans and gravity pulls us down and does not allow us to accomplish the goals that we set for ourselves. And we look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, how did this happen? How did I fall again? How was I able to succumb to the Atas Hayetzer once again? I promised this, it would be different this week, this year, this day, this job, this Chavrusa, this Zman, this Seder, I've made so many commitments and look what happened. Again I messed up. This is humanity and this is human and this is the condition that we are facing because of the gravitational pull, not just of physics, but of our Ruchniistic of physics. We slip and we fall and this is what happens. And it's a very scary thing because we could keep on falling deeper and deeper as Rebchaim Shemlevis in his famous Sicha says a person goes You can go from the highest plateaus and not just fall a little bit but you can fall and fall and fall until the Tzahayim as deep as the abyss that's how we could sink and the Rebbein Shem doesn't want that so the Rebbein Shem in his infinite wisdom and mercy was Mechadish something that's incredible he says, I know that that's the way the trajectory of your life goes. I know. I created you. I know the way this, this movie plays itself out. I've seen this before. But what I will do for you is, I will give you a parsha called Shuba. You probably haven't heard that term in a long time, right? It's been like a half a year since we mentioned that. Sorry. But there is a concept called Shuva. And what's so incredible about Shuva, what the gift of Shuva really is, is that it gives us the ability to redeem ourselves. It gives us the ability to, if this is the graph and we're going down, 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 we're able to suddenly go up with the concept of Shuva. And if at the end we're able to get our, the graph back up, then the Rabbani Shalom takes out that whole valley and considers it as if you were always going up. That's the brilliance of Shuvah. That's the divine gift that only the Rabbani Shalom can be mechadish. The editor says that when, when Adam Rishon sinned, he didn't know what to do and he went to all the different things in the world and nobody knew what to tell him. It's impossible. You can't do anything. 
until the Rabbanishon came along and said, I'm going to give you a parish of tshuva, you could atone for what you did wrong. I'm going to be able, now because of tshuva, to go back to where you wanted to be. And if you're able to do that successfully, if you're able to do tshuva, I'm going to consider it as if the whole entire graph was up. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. Imagine if a person bought a stock, and I bought a stock and it was $50 a share. And now, and I thought it was going higher, I thought it was going to make a fortune, but some news broke about the stock, and it just like started going $45, $35, $20, 50 now it's at like 10 cents. It's already about to be delisted. But you could do something, and you're able to get that price back up to $55 and cash out. Could you imagine how grateful you would be if you invested millions of dollars in that company, and now you're able to recoup your money? You would be so grateful to the person, the stockbroker that gave you that extra, that gave you the ability to get out at that high. That's what Shuva is. Shuva says, listen, I know that you're now a penny stock. I know that you're worth 10 cents, basically. And you think you're about to be delisted from NASDAQ? No, no, no. I'm going to make you go back up. And you're going to be able to be considered as if you were right back where you started from. You will not have any losses. That's the Kayak of Tshuva. And that's why, if you notice, the Rabbani Shalom gives us a Chaydesh Elul at the, at the end of the year. What's that all about? Let's start Shuva Rosh Hashanah time. Why Elul? Why is Elul the big parsha, the big Chaydesh of Shuva? Everybody goes crazy Elul. Rabbi Salsalantir says that he remembers how people used to, used to be, be tr- shaking and tremoring during Chaydesh Elul. They say all types of stories how when the Chazan on Rosh Chaydesh Elul said that, uh, that uh, Rosh Chaydesh Elul, yeah, behind whatever, people started fainting in shuls in the old days. The women started screaming from the Ezra Snoshim. It was such a frightening time of year, Elul. Even the fish in the sea are shaking, says the Bali Musr during Elul. What's so great about Elul? I mean, what's, what's Elul? Elul's not Rosh Hashanah. Elul's the month before Rosh Hashanah. The answer is this, that the Rabbi Hashanah with the gift of Tshuva says, I know that you started off the year this was going to be a banner year and we know how the year looks now. But if you're able to be Mechapner the last month of the year, if you're able to show me that you're back up there, and you do tshuva, and now it looks like you're still high in the sky with all of your ambitions and all your dreams and all your kirvas Hashem. I would consider it as if this is what the year was. It was after Sashana. It was a wonderful year. Because if you end well, says the Rabbi Yishlam, it's mechabra for everything. Just end on a high note. That's the kayak of tshuva. That's what El is. El is, it's the end of the graph. Let's get it back up there. Let's make sure that the end of the year matches the beginning of the year. And then we'll consider it as if it was a, a smooth sailing year and we'll be machaper for everything. 
This is the concept of being able to do tshuva the last day of your life. The Gemara says you should do tshuva the last day of your life. You do tshuva the last day of your life. You go to Eilam Abba. So, what's your, what are you thinking? Say, oh, good. That's great. Thank you, Rebbe. So now I'll spend the next, you know, 40, 50, 70 years partying, doing all the others that I want the last day of my life. I'll do tshuva and I'll get straight up to Eilam Abba. The Gemara already anticipated that question. And the, Rebbeinish, the, the Gemara says, there's one problem with that question. One problem is, we don't know when we're going to die. If we knew exactly our yard site, there would be no problem. You're right. But we don't know. You never know. Every night in Hamapro, we say, You say, Hamapro, You never know. People go to sleep and they don't always wake up. But if you would theoretically do Shuvah the last day of your life and mean it, fine. Famous Gemara, we just said it a couple of days ago about Rabbi Elizabeth Berdaya, the Gemara by the Zion, that says that there was a terrible Russia, there was a Elizabeth Berdaya, he was, he had relationships with every Zaina in the world, the Gemara says. And then he heard about a certain Zaina Betrache Ayam in the far flung islands of the sea. And she was very expensive, and he took a lot of money with him, and he traveled to that island, and see, he was about to be Baylor, and something happened, and she said to him, Elizabeth Dudaya, you will never do tshuva. You are a Russia, you're going to die a Russia. Forget it, there's no hope for you. It's an unlikely muster schmooze that he got from a very unlikely candidate to give the muster. But it resonated with him. Sometimes that's the best Muslims when you're not expecting it from the most unlikely source. That's when it hits. And Rabbi Lazarus and Udaya started going through a lot of motions of tshuva. And in the end, he said, I can't blame anyone anymore. I can't rely on anyone to help me. I have to do tshuva myself. And he started crying and crying. His neshama left him in, these, in this high state of tshuva after a life of Averis. And he, Yotza Bastel, Bastel came down and said that Rebbe Lazar ben he gets to go straight to El Baka Rebbe. Rebbe, when he heard this Maisa, he started crying. He said that not only did he do tshuva, but the Baskal called him Rebbe Lozabender Daya. He was called Rabbi, he got smicha for this tshuva. He died, not to put on his matseva, for Rebbe Daya for that act of tshuva at the end of his life. And Rebbe cried and he says, Yesh kaina eloma bekamashanim. There are many people that are kaina their world or elamhaba. They buy decades it takes to buy elamhaba. Every day I have to get up for davening and learning and doing mitzvahs and chesed, and only then maybe I'll get elamhaba. The yesh kaina eloma b'shaachas. And some people could be kaina their elamhaba in a split second, in a moment, a moment, one good moment of tshuva could be mechaper for your whole life. 
So we see that if at the end of your life you're able to be Messiah in your life, the daughter of Tithe, that's Mechapra in your whole life. Whatever you did your whole life, as long as you end well, you're Mechapra. This is what happens every Shabbos. Shabbos is the same story. We start off the week, we had a beautiful Shabbos last week, we made Abdullah, we said this is going to be a week, I'm going to mamish knak, I'm going to learn, I'm going to shayv, I'm going to, I'm going to be a good person, a better husband, a better father, I'm going to do it all right this week. And then Sunday comes, and then Monday comes, and Tuesday comes, and every day, it's goes down and down and down. Until we like limp into Shabbos, like Nebuch, like you know, just get me into Shabbos. It's a disaster of a week. But Shabbos is the end of the week, and you end Shabbos on a high note. Kabbalah Shabbos, you go in, get a little holier, Shabbos, through the Shabbos, Friday night, Shabbos morning, Musaf, Shalashudas. And you end the week again on a high note, that's mechaper for the whole week. Whenever there's an ending, it's a happy ending. Whenever there's an ending, we're able to do tshuva. That's the site of Shabbos. Shabbos is the same shayrish of word as tshuva. Because that's what Shabbos is. It's the opportunity to change. It's the opportunity to redeem ourselves. That when we are able to come back again to the end of the week and end on a high note, it's tshuva. We're able to go and say it's like Ke'il, the whole week was perfect. That's the gift that the Rebbe Yisham gives us. That's why in Sefer, in Megillus Eicha, even though it ends, Ki'imais Me'astanu, but we end, Hashideinu Hashem Eilacha V'Nashuba. Let us do Tshuva. Tshuva ends everything well. And I think that that's the aside of this minig Yisrael to always end a parsha, a parak, a mesefta, a mishnah, a seder with something good. Because no matter what you've done, it's Kiyilu, the Torah is telling you it's okay. Just end well. No matter what transpired, if you end on a high note, it's Kiyilu, everything is good. That's the way a Yid believes. A Yid doesn't say, okay, I have to go and focus on all what I did bad, and I'm this and I'm that and the other thing. No, it's fine. Just end well and you're good. That's what Shuva is. And don't end well on what you did bad so much. The Svarim write that it's much better just end well, do Shuva, and then don't look back. Because when you start looking back at all your Averis that you did in high school and at Israel and and yesterday and last night, all it's going to do is pull you down and make you depressed. We don't want that. We want you to just go into the next level. End it well. End your day well. End your Seder well. End the Kriya Satara well. End, this mount, end things well and it's considered as if you are perfect. That's a uniquely Jewish concept. That's something that only the Rabbi Nishon does. The concept of Tshuva to be able to do things we could change, we could make ourselves better, we could be Messiah and Medavertite, and it's considered to be as if we shine a beautiful light on our entire past, and we're ready 
to be Makabal or Rabbanishal in any different facet of our lives. And I wanted to say that that is perhaps the minute Yisrael on this week's parasha, when we end off Ashma Ba, you're sinning. A sin that you did to incur guilt. What do we say to that? That's not what we want. Ashma Ba, you know, Ashma Ba is to us. And after the Shabbos rests on Shabbos, he completed his world on Shabbos. He gives us through Shabbos the ability to do tshuva. Well, Ashma Bas and Avera? No, 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 no. We don't end like that. By us, we don't end on Avera. There's no such thing as well Ashma because we have a concept of Shabbos. We have a concept of tshuva. And if we could change the Ashma into a tshuva, we could be Messiah. Then we look at ourselves as being malachim. So on Shabbos, at the end of Shri, the minig used to be to say these words as if to say that there's no such thing. It's no. It's Shabbos now. There's no Ashmaba. because l'kelash and Shabbos we call a It's Shabbos is mechaper. Shuvah is mechaper. Shuvah could change anything. And I don't want to think about what I did wrong. I don't have to. Because as long as I'm able to go now higher and end well, the Rebbein looks at all us as we are tzaddikim gemurim. At the end of a sefer, finishing a sefer of Chumash, we say chazak chazak v'nis chazek. Because it's supposed to give us chizak when we're messiahim. When we're Messiah something, it's supposed to strengthen us. Because even though we may not have done it perfectly, when, you're, when we're Messiah something, we're Messiah Adaf, Messiah Adaf Yaimi, or if you're the guy that's going to make a siyam for Tanish Bukharim and Erev Pesach, did the guy really learn every word? Did you get every single daf? Do you really, there were never a daf that you missed or a gemara that you didn't understand? Or something you didn't chazer, is that really shayach? But yet we make a siyam. If you're being said you never miss a pasuk or a word or a taragum or something. But at the end, we're misayim chazak chazak chazak. We get chizuk. At the end, the siyam gives us strength. Because if we're ending positively, if we're going and we're saying hazen Allah and we're positive, then that gives us strength because that shows us that we're good. It shows us that regardless of the gravity that may have caused us to fail and to falter throughout our life, we are still alive and we're still able to get close to the Rebbein and be the perfect human being that we really aspire to be. That's what a siyam is. Ramesha Feinstein was once at a very interesting siyam. There was a boxer and not from boxer, who had a son who was about Shuba, and he watched his son learning and chazering, and he, he saw how much his son really enjoyed learning Talmud. And it was very inspiring for this boxer. And he asked his son, would you mind learning, teaching me a little bit about the Talmud? I don't know anything about it, I don't, I'm not religious, but can we learn together some, some Gemara? I guess since he was a boxer, the son didn't want to say no. So 
he basically started learning with him. He learned with his father, and very, very slowly giving him all the Hakdamas and, you know, the Gemara, and one step at a time, starting with the, with the Mishnah, and then a little Rashi, and then stopping, and then going over that again. And after a long period of time, maybe a year or two, they were about to finish the first daf, the first daf of the Masechka. And the father says, it's such a big celebration for me that I merited to finish one page of Talmud. And it was changing his life. He was becoming a little bit more religious through the daf. He says, do you think we can make one of those parties that you make at the end of an entire tractate? So the son said, I don't know, let me ask uh, Ramesha Feinstein. So he went to Ramesha, I think he had some connection with him, maybe he was in his yeshiva even, I don't know. But he went to Ramesha, and Ramesha heard the shayla, and he says, yes, absolutely, you can make a siyam. It's a big simcha, and not only that, but I'm going to come to attend that siyam. Such a beautiful siyam. So they made a siyam on that daf. On that and Ramesh even spoke and about Adaf and, and, and what an accomplishment it is. And the son spoke, the father spoke. And it was a beautiful, beautiful event. And that night, the boxer went home and he went to sleep. And he never woke up again. And Ramesh gave a hespid for this boxer. And this is what Ramesh says based on the Gemara that we said before about Rebbe ben and how Rebbe cried over Rebbe ben Ramesha says, Yesh kaina eilamai b'sha'achas There are people that are able to acquire eilam haba b'sha'achas with one hour, with one moment. The yesh kaina eilamai b'daf echad And there are other people that are able to acquire their share in eilam haba with one single, solitary daf of Gemara. That's what a siyam is. It doesn't matter if you're finishing a daf or a mesechto or shas or tanach. It doesn't matter what you're making a siyam on. But a siyam represents the ability to finish something well. I finish something and I'm ending it well, I'm ending it on a high note and that gives me tremendous chizik because it shows me that as long as I'm able to finish something really well, it's mechaper and everything. There's no more la'ashma If I could change it into a l'kelash or shavas. If I could do tshuva, then I don't have to worry about la'ashma Yes, I sin. I sin many times in my life. But if you do tshuva, this dainas or nasas kizchuyas, you can actually flip it over you can make your Averis into a mitzvah even through the process of tshuva. That's the way the Torah looks at things. So a siyam is a very, very special occasion because it shows that I'm finishing something and I'm finishing it well. Abayah says, I used to make Abide Yomitamur Abanon. I make a yanta for all the day yeshiva when I saw a siyam because there's so much chizik that you get from a siyam. Finish it! Finish it well! And rejoice over the fact that you finished something well. As long as your Messiah is overtired, if your Messiah in your life is overtired, if your Messiah in your day is overtired, if your Messiah in your Lima is overtired, if your Messiah in your week is overtired, your Shabbos, 
That is the Rabbi Shalom's promise to us. Finish it well, and I'll make the graph go all the way up again. And I'll forget about all the valleys, because to me it's only peaks. It's an amazing thing. I always speak about this the week before Rosh Hashanah. The Shwa Kaddish and the Yaris Tadash of Dennis and Ibishitz write about how the week before the end of the year, you have to be very, very good that week. Because the last Sunday of the year is Mechaper for all of the Sundays of the year. That means that all the football games that you watch during all the Sundays, all the Bittlesman, all the lack of stuff that we could have been doing better on Sunday, the last Sunday you keep it well, it's Mechaper. The last Monday is Mechaper if you keep it well for all the last all the Mondays of the year. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Shabbos. You keep the last Shabbos well, it's the Elu, all the Shabbos morale. What's going on? What, what is that? Where, where is that from? The answer is from this. Because if you're Messiah the last Sunday of the year, well, the Rabbi who understands the way our life goes, the way gravity pulls us down, gives us this chance that if we're Messiah the Dovert we're able to actually make it considered as if all the Sundays were perfect. And my whole life was perfect. If I could just figure out a way to finish things off well, it's Mechaper for everything. Tshuva is amazing. Tshuva is the gift like no other. It's the, the gift of being able to redeem ourselves of all the chet that we have by just making sure that the last month of the year is good. The last moments of our life are good. The last day of the week is good. That's the gift of Tshuva. This is the job that we have in life. The job that we have in life is to make sure that all of the episodes and all the parshias and all the relationships of our life are redeemed. How many relationships do we have that are not so good? That we're not happy with? And we just think that we're going to just go and you know, coast the rest of our life and never fix them, never apologize. Are there a bayim in our lives that we weren't nice to and that maybe we should give a call to? Our parents, I'm sure many of us were not always perfect sons. Friends, Talmidim, family members, people in shul that we made fun of. Now this past Elul, I was learning, as I always do, with a group of, of Talmidim after davening. We always learn during El Shari Chuba. That's been the minute that I've done now for probably 15 years here. During the rest of the year, we learn other things. Everybody, by the way, is invited to join us. We learn, uh, now we're learning Pelayayat, but every year we learn a different, interesting Sefer together. And, but El is for Shari Chuba. And Shari Tshuva, I went through this piece 15 times at least, maybe more, and it never really 
did anything for me practically. But Shara some in somewhere in Shara in the first Shara, he writes that it's important to make sure to go and to um, ask people on the that you've wronged. And he says you have to be courageous to do this because it's not, it's not so easy. You know that feeling of picking up a phone and having those words with somebody that you got into a fight with. It's the hardest thing in the world. But when he says this is it, this is part of the process of tshuva. You have to ask mechila from people, and you have to, and as difficult as it is, you have to roll up your sleeves and just do it. And this year, I was thinking to myself that there's one person in the world that I have to do this to. I'm sure, there's more than one person, but there is one person in the world that really. It struck me as I was learning Rabbi Yaina that there's one guy that I really have to call and ask, or, or contact and ask Mechila. Why? There was a boy that, in, in high school, in ninth grade, and without getting into Pratim, I could have been nicer to him. I'm not the only person that wasn't perfectly nice, but there were, there were many others, and, and I'm not even, I don't think I was the leader of the pack against him. I wasn't, and he did things to me that weren't so, but I guess I wasn't so nice to him. I didn't think that I was nice to him, or I could have been a lot nicer. And I happened to meet him a few years later, and he wasn't from. He had hair down to here. He was wearing like, a, you know, he was dressed like mamish, you know. This was just a few years after ninth grade. He had left yeshiva like maybe in tenth grade. And and I felt very bad. I, I knew that I wasn't responsible for that. But I just I just felt like I may have been a contributing actor on the stage of his life. And I wanted to send him an email before Rosh Hashanah and apologize and get, ask Mechila from him. Because I didn't want to go for the rest of my life with that on my, on my head. So what do you do in this day and age to find out, you know, where is somebody? This is, again, it's not your high school to now experience. It's my high school to now experience. We're, we're talking about, you know, a good, good many decades. Maybe three decades. Maybe more. It's scary. Um, but you know, it's three decades. So I googled him, and and I found uh, I found him, and he became a very big gavir. Became a very big gavir. He was like one of the biggest developers of downtown Manhattan. A very hush of a trendy area in Manhattan. He was like the architect and he was the contractor and he was he was the, the culba. He did he was the guy that you went to when you wanted to, to build something. He wasn't from at all. He had a yacht and he had this and he had that and pictures he was living the lifestyle of the rich and famous. And and then I um, but the strange thing was that I I didn't find any more articles about him after 2009. I mean, there was plenty of articles, plenty of puff pieces in all these real estate magazines and newspapers and blogs and whatever. He was like the, you know, Rush Kopenhauer, Guy Love Real Estate. 
But then in 2009, I, I, there was nothing. And I, got, I really got nervous that maybe he wasn't alive anymore. I didn't find any obituaries about him either. So I, I remember that he lived in Borough Park. And I, um, so I looked him up, you know, his last name up on, online. And sure enough, uh, it, was, it was still listed. And I called... And I, his mother picked up the phone. His mother's an old-time Yiddish-speaking, you know, like a real Hungarian lady. And, uh, and I said, who I am? And she said, oh, it's so nice that you're calling. And, you know, uh, it's, uh, I'm sure my son will be so happy to hear from you. He needs, he needs, uh, he needs, uh, he needs a lot of physic. So I said, yeah. I, she says, you want his number? I said, I'll take the number, but I really would prefer email. I'd like his email address because it's so much easier just to write what you want in the email, click the send button. You don't have to like deal with all the other, you know. So I just want an email. It's much more sanitary an email than a, than a phone call. So she's an old bubble. She doesn't know what email is from Shmimail. She she has no shyness to, to technology. She says, I don't know his email address, but but here's my son's my other son's number. She had, she had another son who's very from Bentaira, and call him up. So I called him and he said, oh, my brother's going to be so happy, it's so good, you know, going to give him physic. I said, just tell me, like, what happened to him? I see online, like, he was so big and, and famous. And then after 2009, nothing. He said, yeah, he was, he was doing amazing. He was like, a, you know, gazillionaire. And he was like the most chasho person in real estate in that, in that area of Manhattan for a good decade. And he was like on fire. And then the stock market crashed in 2008 and the real estate market crashed at the same time and lending stopped and he went from riches to rags Imamish lost everything his whole malucha came tumbling down and he needs a lot of chizik he's, not, he's still not from and he's, he's a little low and he needs, he, needs, he needs somebody to give him chizik and he gave me his email address and I emailed him and I said to him I reminded him who I was and I said what I do and I said that I you know I teach Talmidim and Shari Tshuva and I have to be courageous and I want to ask him Mechila I said maybe in ninth grade I feel like you know that I wasn't as nice as I could have been to you maybe sometimes I wasn't nice at all and I need I need you to you know to ask your forgiveness and he he, that day I didn't hear from him I said he's never going to answer me forget it like he's Bregas he's you know he doesn't want anything to do with me and then the next day I got an email from him and he says to me something like uh, you know dear Moshe it's so good to hear from you and um, he says you didn't do anything wrong to me he says you didn't do anything wrong to me and you shouldn't even think about it nothing wrong he says and even if you did he says I got over a long time ago. No, no hard feelings whatsoever. Of course, I forgive you, but there's no reason to forgive. But I forgive you. And he said, "Thank you so much for reaching out to me." And you know, and and you should, you know, because that's all. Whatever, be be good. And that was it. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the story. I happen to have told this story over in a cab in Eretz Yisrael. 
I was driving to Shalavim for uh, to speak there, and there was like a from a fromish cab driver, and uh, and he, you know, and we, we, I like talking to cab drivers in Israel. They're like, you know, just it's therapeutic. You just you're never going to see the guy again. You can unload all your tzaras to him. He unloads your tzaras to him, and you know, you pay and, and you go out of the car. It's great. So much cheaper than therapy. So. I told him this story, I don't know how we came to it, but that's what I told it to him in Hebrew, I was impressed with my Hebrew, and, you know, and I thought he would give me like a big ashrakayach, like, wow, you're amazing, like you reached out, and you did tshuva, and you're like, he says, Zes sofa sipu? That, that's it? I said, yeah, what, 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 he says, he says, you might have taken care of your tackle, you know, you took care of your chavila, but like, what, what about him? Like, did you help him at all? So I said, you know, you're a thousand percent right. You know, what, you know, so here I have a chance to help him, and you know, and and I still plan to miss Hashem. But the point is that you have to make sure in your life to repair things, to be Messiah and the Dover type. Don't let those open parshias of your life. The parishes that end with La'ashmaba don't end on that note. You have to end every parsha in your life on a high note with a happy ending. And make sure, and we don't need to say, okay, I have, I have time for that. I don't know if we have time for that. You have to make sure, consider every day your last and think, who do I have to end on a double tide with? Who should I repair a relationship? with it's so important even if it's not during Elul it's good to do these things every day to think how could I be Messiah in the Gavratayv we're holding in the last week of the Zman of Yeshiva the Zman I think was a very successful Zman I hope you agree and if you're all here still today then that means that for you it was probably a great Zman but If we're able to misayim this man in a davar and go till the end, rocking in this man, that's machaper for the entire zman. If we're able to come to davani every day till the last day of this man, it's amazing. And when we go home after this man ends next week, we have to be extremely nice to all the people around us and try to be machaper for all the things that we may. Oh, our parents and oh, our siblings and oh, oh, our friends. Because that's what the Rebbein Shalom wants. And it's an amazing thing because when we do that, we feel so good. It's mechaper. There's no more la'ashra, but we have to be cognizant of the fact that we need to be messiahing everything b'davar taif. Shabbos, be messiahing b'davar taif. The week. The zman, be messiahing the whole zman b'davar taif. El be the same. the whole year is the Our life, the last day of our life, be the same. The And every single day, in every moment of the day, every seder, and every meal, if we're able to fix and end on a high note, the Rebbeinu is mala aleinu ki'ilo. The entire zman, the entire life, the entire year, the entire week is good. That's what I believe is the insight that we learn from this din that we have to always be messiahing things with our time as if to say that no matter what happens in the parasha, 
there could be terrible Teichachas in the parasha. Ki in mice, me'astano, katsafka, leina admaid, it could be the worst. But there's always the concept of Ashidena Hashem Elacham and Ashuba. We can come back, we can do Tshuva, Benad Mamakim, Benad Machaveirai, and the Rebbeinah Shalom is waiting for our Tshuva, and he will embrace it, and he will consider it as if there was never any Averis. It will be Nefrav, Tishkaves, or even Nefshad Kizchuyas. And Amitz Hashem, let's try to finish this man on a, on a great note. There will be one more Shmuz. Before Pesach, I am not allowed to say when it is for whatever reason, but it's a surprise closer shmuz that will happen someday next week, so stay tuned. And Mitzah Hashem, we will end this man in the Dabr We shall have a beautiful Shabbos. And Mitzah Hashem, we go Michael Ochayim.